2: Welcome to The Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome into a May 11th edition of The Daily Face-Off Show. Tyler Yeremchuk and Frank Saravalli with you. And Frank, at the end of yesterday's show, Colby Cohen, he said in his garbage time, there haven't been enough close, tight, competitive games Apparently, when Colby speaks, the hockey gods listen, because last night may have been or featured the most intense games of this first round.
3: About time. I mean, we've been waiting for it. And the funny thing is, with the way a few of those games started out, the Minnesota Wild 2 nothing lead, 2 nothing lead for the Tampa Bay Lightning, big lead for the LA Kings at one point. It didn't seem like we were going to get any of that drama, and yet we did.
0: We certainly did. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the first tight game of the evening, which was between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. You had lead changes. You had just a putrid start from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that was a team. They were 14-4 to 4 in the opening frame of that period. Um, and then they find a way to just turn on the Jets. And for me, it's that late play from Marner and Matthews. Their big guns came to play at a very clutch point. Frank, what stood out to you in the Leafs' 4-3 win?
3: Just when you think the Leafs are going to leaf, they don't end up doing it. And what's the story? It feels like a little bit of a coming of age for this Toronto Maple Leafs core, which has had such a tough time breaking through in the first round. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. At some point, this Leafs team is going to break through. At some point, also, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to lose a series for the first time in nine tries. I don't know if that's all going to come together as in a confluence over the next few days but it sure certainly seems like that's a possibility now that the leafs took game five and and really the manner in which they did it it would have been so easy for that team 18 wheeler off a cliff with that start to just buckle you know you look at the it wasn't just the fact that they gave up two goals in short order in six or seven minutes but also the way that they were pounced on in that first period I, I was thinking to myself and i actually you mentioned colby I, I texted him; we were going back and forth during the game i said hey if they can just survive this first period down to nothing or maybe even cut it to two one i think they're gonna hang in there and be all right and it's not just that but also the way that the other guys in that lineup redeem themselves you can talk about matthews and marner that game five was won on the back of john tavares William Nylander and Jack Campbell, the way that those three guys stepped up after being raked over the coals in the center of the hockey universe over the last 48 hours, having their game questioned with Tavares and, you know, potentially looking a half step too slow and William Nylander with his heart and compete going into battles, Jack Campbell, can the Leafs win with Jack Campbell? We talked about that on our show He stops 30 out of 31 down the stretch against the Lightning after allowing two early goals. He settled in. Tavares got the team on the board first, had a fantastic primary assist to Morgan Riley. And then Nylander scores what was then at the time the go-ahead goal before Matthews ends up getting the game winner. So uh, for those three guys to bounce back in this game in that fashion is a big boost for the Toronto Maple Leafs and their confidence heading to Tampa for game six. Now, as Sheldon Keefe said, Tyler, it's not going to matter if they don't end up closing it out. It would be peak Leafs, the most Leafs thing possible to end up blowing a 3-2 series lead. I just feel like that game is an example why this year is different for Toronto.
0: Yeah, the job is not done quite yet for the Leafs, but if came five is any indication, that should be a very confident group heading into game six. Let's Move on to the Edmonton Oilers, Frank, and I apologize, my Wi-Fi is cutting out a little bit here. But the Oilers, similar to Toronto, they were awful early in that hockey game. They were awful in overtime as well. It was just not a great game for the Oilers. But their star players bailed them out late and were able to pump or fuel that comeback. Um, but for the Oilers, still, I mean, the comeback, sure, it was great. It was electric. Rogers Place was rocking for a few minutes. But if if for the Oilers, that's just that can't happen in a big game like that. They need to draw better than that.
3: Yeah, you're right, Tyler. There's no excuse there for the Oilers to come out and be that unprepared for game five on their home ice with a chance to take a series lead against an undermanned Kings team without a Drew Doughty on their back end, especially after the way that they were taken to the woodshed in game four shutout in L.A. to send the series back to Edmonton. You know, I I just don't see it. I don't understand where the overconfidence for this Euler team comes in, thinking that they're good enough to come out and play that way, even against a team like the Kings being undermanned. Because the truth is, they're not. They don't have the experience to draw on. They don't have the depth to really play that way. And if you're going to rely on your stars in Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid to bail you out after trailing four to one in that game. It's not going to happen every time. And they almost pulled it off. And I think in a way, the fact that they didn't is probably a little bit better for the Oilers in terms of a learning lesson moving forward. You know, They've got a lot of work to do to just draw even in this series. And we'll touch on Darnell Nurse and the hearing that he's about to have. But the Oilers potentially being without their top defenseman for game six looms large. And a team that you know, really should have been a lot better on home ice. I I just don't know what the excuse is going into game five.
0: Yeah, there just absolutely aren't any to the Oilers team. That was maybe the best I've ever seen Connor McDavid play. And it was all for nothing as they lose in overtime. The other thing that caught my attention was on the OT winner. I mean, Duncan Keith just simply couldn't keep up with Adrian Kempe. But to start overtime, Jay Woodcroft went with Brett Kulak and Duncan Keith at five on five. That duo had only played a grand total of 45 seconds together at 5-on-5 five five in the first four games of that series. I thought that was just a really odd decision to start OT and to go with those guys when you have last change. Um, and this was also the worst, series, the worst game of the series for Mike Smith, who probably wants three of those goals he allowed back.
3: Yeah. And there was an ugly turnover from Kulak a bit earlier in the game as well, where he just kind of threw it up the wall Uh, that ended up being pounced on pretty quickly by the Kings. Um, You know, just a lot of holes in the Oilers game. And I think these two games have exposed it. I thought, you know, game one was really interesting in the way that you know, the Oilers kind of, you know, you look at the first three games, they shot themselves in the foot in game one and were so much better in games two and three, um, you know, outscoring the LA Kings 14 to two that you're thinking they're comfortable in the driver's seat. And I think the real answer here is, Tyler, that they probably got a little bit too, uh, too comfortable in that driver's seat and now they find themselves uh, hanging on for dear life attached to the bumper.
0: It's going to be a big game six out in L.A. on Thursday night. Uh, Out in Minnesota, it was the Tara Sank show of St. Louis Blues as they stole a big game on the road. Early on, it looked like it was going to be all career Caprizo. He scores a pair of power play goals in the first period, but it was Tara Sanko with the third period hat trick who steals the show. Frank, Uh, just a huge win for the Blues, and now there's a lot of pressure on this wild team.
3: Yeah, there is. But, you know, this series is kind of played out the way that we thought it might in the sense that it's been tit for tat, you know, one punch here, a response and and punch back from another team Two pretty evenly matched groups. Full marks to the St. Louis Blues for what they've withstood on their back end with the injuries to uh, you know, a multitude of defensemen throughout this series. It's been a revolving door, a rotating uh, back end for St. Louis, and they found a way to overcome that and get it done. And not only that, but found a way to overcome some you know some deficits as well you look at the two nothing lead that the wild had in the first period stormed out of the gate you mentioned kaprizov and the two goals that he had uh he was a force through the first 20 minutes and yet the blues found a way to hang in And, you know, you see Vladimir Tarasenko take over in the third period, the natural hat-trick. One of them ended up being the empty netter to close out the game. But the way Tarasenko has played all season long, for me, he's easily the NHL's comeback player of the year. And there were some fantastic stories this year, and it'll be interesting to see who ends up winning the Masterton Trophy. You know, some great stories from guys like Carey Price and some others that have battled through a lot. But Tarasenko with the botched shoulder surgeries to come back and regain form after the St. Louis Blues themselves had doubted him, the trade request that was in place being skipped over in the expansion draft. You know, you look at Tarasenko and and his job in this series. He's right up there with O'Reilly, David Perron, who's been ridiculous and turned back the clock. The Blues you know, uh, this was the problem with my bla- my, my bracket, Tyler. It, there was a significant chance as I picked the Minnesota Wild to win the Stanley Cup that they might not get out of the first round. At times in this round one, they've looked like the stronger team. And at times, uh, you know, you've seen them wobble a bit, and that was certainly the case in Game 5. Uh, no room, no
2: margin for error for the Wild now in Game 6. But I have a feeling this this series is going the distance. We're having. Uh, I think you're either your mic's muted or you're having a Wi-Fi issue there, Tyler. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the uh, the New York Rangers. You, could I? Could I? Alex,
3: could I call in the reliever here? Can we get a Chris Peters swap? I know he's standing by and waiting for. Uh, for. Uh, we have the next wave coming up to talk about his mock draft, but to talk about the New York Rangers here uh, as they face elimination, Chris, there he is, Chris Peters, hopping hey. in magic, magic of technology. <laughs> um, Chris, you know, we talked about turning back the clock for Tarasenko, um, you know, for David Perron, but how about the job that Sidney Crosby has done in this series against the New York Rangers? They've had absolutely no answer for Crosby, who has nine points in four games. And all of this, the way that this has played out in this first round series has surprised me from Shesterkin being yanked twice to really the Penguins just looking like world beaters through these first four or five games.
4: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I think that when you have a guy that, that can take a series over when you when you know the Rangers have not had anybody do that for them yet, they haven't had a single guy step up in that way that Sidney Crosby has for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's a a huge difference maker for any team, especially when it's, you know, your best player, your captain, he's stepping up for you. And I just think that's pulled everybody along. I mean, I've loved the way that Jake Gensel has played in the series. They've obviously gotten good enough goaltending as well, which was the big mystery coming in. I mean, who would have thought that, that, you know, that Igor Shosturkin would be... You know, the guy that was taking a backseat to Louis Domingue. I mean, like it's it just doesn't yeah. make any sense to me um in, in this whole this whole series. And I, I certainly was one of the people that picked the Rangers. You know, I thought because of the goaltending situation, because of the uncertainty with, you know, the, the continual injuries and whatever else can pop up that always seems to to haunt the 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 penguins. And as we saw we did with the Smith in that in that initial game, they just continue to Follow the lead of Sidney Crosby. And it, it it has been a turn back the clock kind of series for him because it's just it feels like he's everywhere and involved in everything. And when you've got a guy going that well, you got a real good chance to win the series. And it looks like they very well could here. I feel so stupid every time I say this,
3: but breaking news, Sidney Crosby, still good. Like that's, that's I honestly know. the, uh, you look at him and, and Alex Ovechkin and the way that he's played in his series against the Florida Panthers and the caps have been great, but you know, you look at Crosby and it just, it, his last 25, 30 games of the season, rather worldly to the point where I was saying to myself, Chris, should this guy be getting consideration on my hard trophy ballot?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I felt the same way. And I I mean, just watching that whole season progress and just it seems like every year there are so many roadblocks that the Penguins face over the course of a regular season that they manage to overcome. And sometimes it has been Sidney Crosby's absence or, you know, a goaltender's absence or the goaltender not playing well. Yet they still continue to do it. And it it all comes back to number 87. I mean, it is unbelievable what he's continuing to do. And we, you know, maybe we'll say Connor McDavid is the best player in the league right now, but Sidney Crosby very much still one of the very best and, and the guy that, you know, if you're a kid watching, that's the guy you should be watching every single game.
3: Yeah, I think it's fair to say maybe Sidney Crosby, not the best player, but definitely the most complete player. I just didn't Mm -hmm. see it for a team that had lost three straight years, Chris, in the first round that Agreed. this would be the year they would break through against the likely Vezina Trophy winner in Chesterkin. Still a long way to go, as they say. The cliche, we're gonna hear a lot of them over the next few days. The fourth one is the toughest to get, and the Rangers are at home at the garden, and I would have to think at some point that Chesterkin will end up being dialed in. Let's, uh, let's stick with Chris, and let's get to the next wave delivered by DoorDash. <laughs> Yes, he is. Chris Peters, our daily face off resident prospect expert. And we're here with the next wave delivered by DoorDash. Chris, the NHL completed the draft lottery on Tuesday night. The Montreal Canadiens winning the number one overall pick. They had the best effective odds to do so in draft lottery history. They retained that spot after finishing 32nd in the league this year, one year after a trip to the Stanley Cup final. So Shane Wright has been talked about for years. Is he the presumptive? Is he the consensus number one overall pick?
4: Well, I would say that he's the most common number one pick. For most people, they would say that so he's not the number consensus. one prospect. I wouldn't say that you could you could say 100% consensus he is the number one guy. There are definitely teams that like Slavkovsky better. There are teams that like Logan Cooley better. And there are teams that I think even could look at Simon Nemich, the, the number one defenseman in this draft, and say – Maybe he's the guy. I think the reason for it, it's not because Shane Wright isn't a great player. He very much is. He has a chance to be a long-term guy for this for for whoever he goes to, and 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 it probably will be the Canadians. He makes the most sense in terms of position and kind of pedigree and emotional maturity to handle that pressure of being uh, in the spotlight in Montreal. There's a lot of boxes that he checks, but the one that is unchecked at this point is. His progression this year has not been at the level that so many expected. It hasn't followed the, a clean arc, whereas a Logan Cooley is, is going up and a Slavkovsky is going up. And all these players are progressing to a certain degree. And it leads you to believe that maybe of the players that are available, Shane Wright not, might not have the highest ceiling. Uh, and and we had that Conversation about Alexi Lafreniere as well. We we're talking, you know, him versus Quentin Byfield and some of the other players. Are there players that you know he's been such a dominant player for so long? Are some of these players just
2: simply progressing at a, at a rate because oh, we lost Chris's microphone there for a second and. Yeah. There is there. He's back. Okay. Are we back? (laughs) Yep. There you go. Sorry about that. Can you hear
4: me? Sorry about that guys. Yeah. So um, just to, yeah, just to wrap that up. I mean, Shane, Wright. It's not as clean a consensus, but I would say that most people would still have him as at number one. And I think, you know, as far as the Canadians are concerned, he might be the safe pick there. Is that necessarily what you want all the time? No, but I think it makes a lot of sense in this particular year
3: so there have been a lot of comparisons between shane wright and potentially patrice bergeron interesting tie there in that the man that represented patrice bergeron is now the gm of the montreal Canadiens. in kent hughes i would love to know what he thinks of shane wright and that comparison pretty lofty comparison for all those selkies that patrice bergeron has piled up so chris the new jersey devils moved up from the number five spot all the way to number two and they actually may be the real winner of the draft lottery because you think this frees them up according to your mock draft on dailyfaceoff.com
4: it really does because if you go number one and all the and everybody or at least most people are saying you should take shane Wright. there's pressure on that pick and if you go against that consensus or or, or moderate consensus whatever it may be the guy that most people think you should pick then you, you know you might it doesn't make sense. Like They have Nico Heischer. They have Jack Hughes. They have their top two centers for the foreseeable future. Could he be better than either one of them? Maybe. I don't think he's better than Jack Hughes. And I don't necessarily think he's got a chance to be better, a, a whole heck of a lot better than Nico Heischer has been. Um, but at the same time, now you say, okay, well, we don't have to take a center. and And who's right there? Uri Slavkovsky, and he checks a ton of boxes for them. The size, the power. You know, they, they don't have a very big forward group. He makes them bigger. He makes them more threatening offensively. You add Alexander Holtz, who they picked seventh overall a couple of years ago. Now you've got goal scorers on both wings that can they can really you know push the pace that can make plays and that can be supported by playmaking centers like a jack hughes like a nico heischer you know guys that can get them the puck so i think that that is a huge benefit to them because the pressure is off you don't have to take the guy that everybody says you should take and even though logan cooley to me is is no worse than the number two prospect in this draft Slavkovsky is a better fit organizationally, I think. And that's why I mocked him to, to the devils.
3: Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. You see the log jam at center for the devils. That's why they really are not probably going to be keeping a guy like Pavel Zaka, for instance, this off season, you know, just too many pieces ahead of him in order to really get him the time that he needs. And maybe you can get a piece back for Zaka. So, um, you mentioned Cooley, and you have him going three to Arizona, but I, I want to ask you about Simon Nemec. He's a guy that's really climbed the list uh, this last little while. You have him going four to the Seattle Kraken. What makes Nemec stand out? Why, why has he caught the eye of scouts?
4: Yeah, you know, it, when I was at the, the under-18s in Germany, I talked to a few guys that actually detoured to the, Slovakian play, the Slovakia League playoffs to go see Nemec specifically, and they were blown away by him. And, and a lot. And that was, you know, to a man. And I think that he he had 17 points in 19 playoff games, playing essentially as a number one defenseman at 17 years old in the professional league. Now, he, that that's there's really no precedent for that in Slovakian league history. And and the Slovakian, it may not be the best pro league, but we're talking about a guy that is is producing at a level similar, you know, that that hasn't been seen since. Marion Hosa at the same age. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot, a big gap between the points that Nemich scored and the ones that Hosa scored, but as, as there should be, even forward and a defenseman. But I think that the upside factor is so huge there. This is a guy that produced all year. He moves the puck extremely well. He's not as big as David Juracek, who's a right shot defenseman as well. And also has high upside, but he missed most of the season with injury. So the, you have fewer questions and we've seen the arc of Nemich's season And it's just gone straight up. And so that's a big reason why I think, you know, the Kraken could potentially land. They've got their cornerstone center in Matty Beneers. Get that number one defenseman. And and it's not a clear number one. I, I don't necessarily know if I can say that he comfortably projects as a number one. But I do think he's a top pairing, top four defenseman that could be a foundational piece for a franchise.
3: Yeah, really interesting to track Nemec and his progression this year. Thanks to Chris Peters for spilling some details on his mock draft, which I mentioned you can read now up at dailyfaceoff.com. This has been... The next wave delivered by DoorDash, all your favorites and more delivered right to your door. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, DFODD if you're in Canada, DFODDUS. If you're in the United States, that gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. We'll say bye to Chris, hoping now that Tyler Wi-Fi is fixed. Thanks, Chris.
0: I'm back. He's back. All right. It's daily faceoff inbox time. Hashtag ask DFO. Frank, you teased it earlier. Darnell Nurse will have a hearing today for headbutting Philippe Deneau. The question is simple. How many games for Darnell Nurse?
3: One game for Darnell Nurse. Uh, just stupid. I can't think of any other word to describe this sequence unnecessary is potentially another one. Uh, clearly frustration had built up for nurse. And you, th- you look at the way that the department of player safety, first off, they've paid special attention to headbutting over the last number of years. It's something that they don't want to see. And second, when you look at the game and the factor here, uh, it's going to be interesting to hear nurse try and plead his case later today in the hearing. What will he have to say? I don't think they're, Absolutely sold that this is a suspension. Is there anything that he can say to try and, uh, you know, steer them away from that? But when you look at penalties and how they've suspensions, how they've been dished out in the past, in this case, one game, uh, especially an elimination game, the Department of Player Safety certainly takes that into account. And that would be like a multiple game ban during the regular season. So I think that's where it ends up. One game and probably a pretty fitting punishment for an unnecessary play.
0: Yeah. I think one game is fair as well. But so Chris Weidman got one game in the regular season for headbutting. Correct. I he believe did.
3: It. Yes. Yeah. But I don't, it wasn't as egregious wasn't, though. Definitely wasn't quite as vicious as this.
0: Yeah. So that's why I, I agree. I think one game like today I was watching the replay and I was like trying to think in my head, if I was Darnell nurse, what could I say? What's my reasoning behind this play? And like, I just can't come up with anything. I, There's no justification for that. Like, it just didn't make sense. You're right. It was stupid. It was reckless. And Darnell Nurse ultimately is going to hurt his team by missing an elimination game if he does get suspended. What's
3: clear to me is you watch him swing his stick before that. His emotions got the best of him. And when you're in the Stanley Cup
0: playoffs, that can't happen. Absolutely not. Uh, Let's move along to our daily bet segment, courtesy of our friends at Points by Canada. Frank, yesterday it was I nailed the McDavid goal, at least. And we got the push in Carolina, Boston, but I missed on the Victor Hedman Apple. So still down two point eight units here on the playoffs in terms of my day to day betting. I got two plays tonight. So let's jump into it and start with a matchup. Between the Rangers and the Penguins. I love taking the Rangers in regulation tonight. I've lost a little bit betting on this team so far in the first round. But I I just think this Rangers team has to come out desperate. And they were so good in the regular season. They were so good against Pittsburgh specifically in the regular season. I just can't see them coming out as flat as they've looked. Uh, once again here, and I'm also banking on a little bit of an Igor Shesterkin bounce back again. This guy is likely going to win the Vesna trophy. At least he should. In my opinion, I just can't see him being bad again. So I'm just I'm, I'm in my in my mind. I'm playing the bounce back here by taking the Rangers in regulation. I like the plus 110 payout. And for my player prop today, I am going to Calgary. And a matthew kachuk assist kachuk actually finished the regular season by hitting this bet in five of seven games and then he starts the playoffs by hitting it in three of four i think the flames offense is starting to wake up they're maybe starting to show that they are indeed the better team in this series i mean they won their division that's what they should be doing uh, and i like going with kachuk here to once again pick up an apple the plus 115 payout for something that's hitting at a 75 percent clip so far in the postseason that is good enough for me so kachuk assist Rangers in regulation, Frank, a couple of plus money bets as I look to make back a little bit of the money that I've lost so far in the postseason here.
3: I understand the reasoning, Tyler, behind the play Rangers in regulation. I just have seen no evidence to this point in this series to suggest that that'll be a winner. It's just the way this the series has played out. Every opportunity the Rangers have had. Whether it's clawing back from a big deficit in Pittsburgh one game to the triple overtime game, like they just they've had no killer instinct. And by the way, their coach in Gerard Gallant used the word "soft" to describe his team. I think three or four times in his post game press conference after game four. Yeah, that's not exactly the definition or tag that you want on your team, uh, specifically as an NHL player in the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: Yeah, the dreaded S word. Uh, Quick, another betting thing I looked up, Frank. There's been a ton of overs in this postseason so far. If you were to go on a book and if you were to put money on over six goals, 6.0 goals for every game in the playoffs, you would have 20 wins, eight losses, and eight pushes. You'd be up a pretty decent amount here. So it's been interesting to see how high scoring some of these games. You usually think about playoff hockey is like tight, buttoned down, low scoring, one goal games. It's been weird how this first round has been kind of the opposite of that.
3: Yeah, crazy. And I would imagine the books like PointsBet, they're smart guys over there. I'd imagine that they'd, uh, you know, be ratcheting that number up pretty quickly.
0: All right, let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. Frank, what do you got for us?
3: Tony D'Angelo, for my money, we talked earlier in the show about Vladimir Tarasenko being the comeback player of the year. Tony D'Angelo is the comeback player of the year that for whatever reason, no one really wants to give him that title. Maybe it's because of things that have happened in the past, but you look at the bounce back season that he's had showing once again, 51 points in four games. This year, that he is a beast on the blue line. His impact in this series against the Boston Bruins has been undeniable. A three game game as the Hurricanes took a three to two series lead over Boston. And I love the way in which he's bounced back also, you know, in the face of some chirping from Brad Marchand, he's been pretty public about it. And Tony D'Angelo, I love the, the villain aspect of it has responded in kind as the appropriate heel saying that he was sure after the game last night that the Boston media wouldn't like it. So the Boston media seem to be up in arms. Tony D'Angelo has everyone uh, with his play and also with his his sort of uh, off-ice demeanor, uh, eating out of the palm of his hand. And so love the impact that Tony D'Angelo has made, eight points in five games in the playoffs, a pending unrestricted free agent, by the way, in line for a big payday this offseason. Love it from Tony D.
0: Yeah, we always talk about playoff heroes. You don't hear a lot about playoff villains, but D'Angelo certainly filling that role in terms of how the Bruins fans view him in this series. Frank, that's going to be a wrap for another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Big shout out to Chris Peters for joining us. Big shout out to my internet psych. Uh, anyways, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the show. In the meantime, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com.
2: Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play
2: now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.